There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the family with co-host Catherine Brandt, Doug Sprinthal, Alex Brandt-Bernard-Rasmussen, Andy Brandt-Bernard, and Cassie Schrader. Would you be heckle or jackal? I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. I don't either. Mm. Let me think about it. We'll get back to you with the family. You're going to do your thing. Tom <laughs> says. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, heckle or jekyll, we don't know which I for love, Walls or Automotive. I love a good intro. Thank you, Thomas. Damn right. Tour to Cure, third time. This will be our third time in a row that we've done this. Saturday, June 1st. Please sign up if you want to ride with me and Tom. We're putting the team together. We'll tee off at 9 in the morning. That's when the start is. We'll be done probably 11, 11.30, and they've got free lunch and bands. It's really, really fun. Hopefully the weather will be great. You can email me directly at dougatwalzer.com or go to diabetes.org slash kqwalzer for all the sign-up details. That's everything? Alex. It's 25 miles? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah? Uh, yeah. On a bike. You don't have yeah. to run. Okay. No. <laughs> you don't have to I'm into it. Mom? Mom's going to take care of the kids. I think Dan what? and I are going to do What? The, yeah. Dan and I are going to do the bike ride. You're going to take care of the <laughs> Nobody kids. asked me. I'm not going to ask you. I'm Put the kids in the burly. Put the kids in the burly. Miles, hardly. Absolutely. You don't can just run them around. They'll be fine. Walzer.com. Walzer Automotive Group. Walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. 
love this song. For some reason, that guitar riff reminds me of the Ventures, doesn't it, Dougie? Yeah, it's a tremolo setting. The tremolo, bop, 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 bop. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely correct. Is Aaron ready to go? Yes. Aaron Ryder joining us in search of monsters on Travel Channel. I love the Travel Channel, Aaron. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that. I do. Yeah, it's absolutely true. All right, I have to. I have to ask you this: Are you related to either Winona or Mitch Ryder? No, no, so many riders, but we do own the Ryder Trucking Company. Also kidding, but we don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. But I do own the Ryder Trucking Company, and do you know who? Do you even know who Mitch Ryder is? I don't. I don't. Oh, great singer, Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels. Sock it to me, baby. Great singer, Devil one of the best the singers of all time. Devil in the blue dress. Devil in the blue dress. Mm. Yep, absolutely. Aaron Ryder, ladies and gentlemen, Travel Channel's new series, In Search of Monsters, takes viewers on a frightening hunt for the truth behind infamous and iconic monsters that brings their legends to all, all too real life. Utilizing new information, the latest evidence and investigations, and featuring riveting eyewitness accounts of encounters with these nightmarish beasts in search of monsters. You could start by looking at uh, radio station executives. What do you think, Aaron? <laughs> Such monsters, especially in the morning. Oh, God. Especially. You're absolutely right about that. So how did you get involved with this, Erin? I have been uh, an investigator uh, for for over 10 years now. And uh, I've worked very closely with the the talented Kevin Burns, who runs Prometheus. Um, Mm -hmm. They also do Ancient Aliens and um, Oak Island. Uh, and they were coming up with this incredible concept with Travel Channel, and I thought I would love to be a part. I would love to collaborate on this. I think there's still so much um, about this world we live in that we don't know that I take every opportunity to go out there and explore and talk to eyewitnesses and incredible you know, scientists and people that are on the forefront of this. Um, and so I was super happy to be a part of it. No, it, it is terrific. Um, Cassie, who were we just talking to about Oak Island? Oh, Randall Sullivan. Oh, it was Randall Sullivan. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, that whole Oak Island story is unbelievable. So, yeah, they these people you're working with know what they're doing. Well, first of all, they hired you, so they must know what they're doing, right? <laughs> so, we, yeah. so we say. So we say. So, so we say. From DNA evidence of Bigfoot and ancient Bible clues about Mothman's identity to a scientific explanation of how the Loch Ness monster may be traveling through time. See, I love these stories because, uh, as you find out new things, is there proof? Is there no proof? Is it? Is it? Uh, does it approach reality? Does it not? I, I find these things. Why do? You, why do you think it is, Aaron, that people need monsters? Because it seems to me if they don't have monsters, they'll invent them. Uh, absolutely. I think we, you know, they've, they've stood the test of time. There's always been, you know, some mythological beast that, that man has, you know, had to face. We've had a foe. And I think that they've, you know, changed over time. I think, you know, different cultures um, have different, um, you know, beasts of their own. Um, but they're always, they'll always be there. I think the, the fact that some of the sightings are on the rise in some areas is really interesting to me. And it bears investigation. I uh, I won't say, you know, that these are all legends. I, I would certainly say mm-hmm. that these are really cr- 
incredible people that we're talking to and the routes that we go down and the new evidence that we're bringing to the table is really fun and exciting. You know, it's amazing to me right now, Aaron, and, and proof of what, what you just said and what we're talking about. It's not enough now in America to just be, oh, I disagree with you or I'd like to put in different policies than you. Now in politics in America, it's you're a monster. No, you're a monster. It's like you're creating your foe has to be a monster now. It's not they're not just a, uh, an incompetent person or maybe semi bad person. These are the worst people ever born. And we all need to know that they, they've gone the monster route in politics in America. And it's just. I guess it's working for them. Maybe it works for them. I don't know. But people have to have their monsters. Is, 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 do they have to identify their fear of, of the unknown or just the, their basic fear? Do they have to go, well, this is why I'm afraid all the time? Absolutely. We love labels. Um, and we love, yep. you know, I think that that's an incredibly divisive way to do something, right? It's you're staking your, yes. your flag in the ground and saying, I'm right, you're wrong. You're, you know, in, and it's fear mongering. But I think that there's in in some of these cases what we're seeing is there's little kernels of truth there there's there's enough to you know go out there and say hey that that story about you know the chupacabra is is interesting because we're looking at it from this new angle so um i, I would say that we're always going to have monsters um and you know and some of them are you know are, are more well known than others um but i i, I i'm i've always been fascinated I think I always will be, um, and I always will be out there asking these, you know, these, these, these questions. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. Each, you know, it's really funny, too, that different religions have different monsters, different cultures have different monsters. Uh, it, it's, the, it, it's an amazing thing to me that people have to believe there's something out there that'll get them if they're not careful, yet they're still not careful. So, you know, we're talking to Aaron Ryder <laughs> about In Search of Monsters on Travel Channel, Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 o'clock Central Time. You are right in my wheelhouse with this because I've often been fascinated by that. My mother was an ardent Roman Catholic, so she had these fears of, of certain things, and I would go, Mom, that's ridiculous. And she'd go, don't you tell me what's ridiculous. <laughs> but she, if she didn't have a monster, she would have been... Oh, you did? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, I think I, I grew up in the same type of a family. And I, I think, listen, like you said, every culture has their boogeyman. And I think it's, it's, an, it's, a, yeah. it's an easy way to place our fears in those kind of, you know, scary places. Um, but, you know, some of these, quote unquote, monsters that we're looking at aren't really that dangerous, right? Bigfoot is right. really kind of this beast that's mm. known to be, you know, pretty 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 easygoing and, and and kind you know kind of kind of creature so i don't think we're always looking at the scariest of scary when it comes to you know we're not always fearing these things i think that people are just really interested to say hey i saw something i don't think it was a bear i don't think it was this but what was it and and they want to know more yeah, I think that's exactly right. You know, it's funny. I just I just worked out before the show today, so I'm walking back from from working out, and this guy's coming toward me, um, and as he's getting closer, I realize, holy God, that guy's big. Uh, when he we got face to face, I realized he was over, or at least seven feet tall, and probably over that. Jeez. And even just a human being, a real human being, that big would probably be scary to a lot of people. Realizing someone is that much bigger than they are is probably frightening for them, I guess. 
I don't know. Very, he's a very nice guy, though. Yeah, it is. It's intimidating, but he's the nicest guy in the world. Could not have been a nicer guy. So I think maybe he knows he scares people, <laughs> you know? It might be one of those deals. Um, growing up as a little boy, uh, you would you know, your friends would always claim this was happening, that was happening, all the rest of it. Uh, nowadays, it seems to me... Well, I, like Aaron, for one thing, like I said, I grew up Roman Catholic, so so you know Halloween was a very big thing for us, and it was just a ball, and it was so much fun, and now it's pretty much disallowed that oh we can't we can't have Halloween, and you can't be doing this, and you can't be doing that, and blah blah blah, and we're not going to allow these costumes, and upon getting rid of those fake monsters, they had to put other people like real human beings in that place. I have to have something to be be afraid of. I can't have the you know, the the ghosts or the goblins or whatever like that because that's you know that's they think based in religion. I never believed it was based in religion. I know it's All Saints Day and All Souls Day and all that, but it was about having fun and being somebody you weren't, or maybe you wanted to be intimidating for once, so you dressed up like a ghost or something. And now that we can't do that anymore, we have to identify our monsters in other areas of our society, don't you think? That's interesting. I, I don't know if I've, I've looked at it like that. Halloween is, is one of my favorite holidays. I celebrate Love it, it as often as I can. I'll, dre- I'll dress up now. I love it. I love the idea of being able to put a personality on, to be able to change, to be able to kind yeah. of, you know, hide. You know, I think that's, it's, always been fun. it's why I love, you know, all the cosplay when we go to Comic-Cons. I think it's the most fun to see people, you know, taking on a different personality and, and dressing up. So uh, for me, I, I celebrate it, and it's not something that I shy away from. I think, yes, people have gotten more PC and they're more careful, um, but certainly mm-hmm. for me, Halloween has a place to stay. No, I, it, and that's exactly it. It's, it's maybe embracing those monsters or those fears we have by dressing up as your fears. It's a good thing. It's a healthy thing. But no, we can't do that anymore. Oh, no, that's, that's not politically correct. We can't. I think that's a huge mistake, Aaron. I really do. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think, you know, I, 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 we celebrate the, the for, especially, you know, for the people that I know and the people that are in this world that I live in, we celebrate the fact that there are, you know, people out there with differing opinions. I love the fact that different cultures have different, you know, ways in which, you know, they celebrate, you know, these types of, you know, events and things and these types of monsters that they have, these types of mythological creatures. There's holidays for, you know, the Loch Ness Monster and the Beast of Bray yeah. Road and Mothman events and all of that. Like, I love that idea. I think that's, that's it's a fun way, you know, to kind of face some of these demons that we have. I think it's wonderful, too, we're talking about cross-culture situations. And the one that's always struck me is uh, it's terrifying to a certain Spanish element, the chupacabra. But to you and me, it's a goat sucker, which I find very funny, <laughs> to tell you the truth. It's not frightening <laughs> at all to me. It's what, really? You're afraid of a goat sucker, huh? Okay, well, uh, next Wednesday, what do, what do we got on tap for next Wednesday in Search of Monsters on Travel Channel? Next Wednesday is the Jersey Devil. Um, it is an episode Ooh. about uh, Mother Leeds um, and uh, the Pine Barrens of New Jersey. Um, this is uh, a story about a beast with a human mother that may have been created by Satan himself. It's a really interesting Ooh. story um, and one that um, you know has a lot of historical and even recent 
uh, sighting. So it's a, it's a fun one that I think people really dig into if you've never heard of it. Erin, you know what I love about that is that people actually believe this evil being, a being that fell from heaven. You know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to focus on the scaring the people of New Jersey. <laughs> like what? <laughs> really? Oh you think yeah. That's how this. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking on the Garden State. Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever been in the Pine Barrens? I have. I have. It's actually, I grew up in New York, and, and I'd never been until I actually looked for the Jersey Devil. And the Pine Barrens are a really dense forest, and they have these very strange pools yeah. of water in them. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's a very unusual place. I certainly, um, I did not see any, um, any, I didn't see any hooves or any signs of the Jersey Devil that time myself, but I would say it, it shows a really nice place to hang out. Yeah, it is. It is an amazing place. Do people get angry with you and maybe maybe tweet, why are you destroying my, my favorite beast? Uh, do people get upset because they, they think maybe you're ridiculing their, their beliefs and their fears by proving either, you know, disproving or proving things? Do people get upset with you? Absolutely. I think there, there are people that are, you know, but the, the, the line changes all the time, right? You're not yeah, just a, yes. a straight believer and you're not just, you know, a straight, straight skeptic. It's like you believe in some of these things, you don't believe in all of them. So it's always, you're always going to offend someone, you know, with what you're doing out there. I think for me in particular, I'm incredibly open-minded. Um, you know, I go out there asking questions. I want to know, I want you to tell me about your sighting. I want you to tell me about you know, what you saw and what you believe. And I'm not trying to dispute anything you particularly believe in. Um, but when evidence mm-hmm. is presented towards me, I'm going to have an opinion about it. That's all. Um, but, yeah, it's a touchy subject. You know, there's people that believe in the Jersey Devil but don't believe in the Yeti. There's people that believe in the Bigfoot but don't right. believe in the Chupacabra. It's so interesting what they decide to believe. One of my favorite bits of audio of all time is a guy down south, and he's talking about Bigfoot, how he saw Bigfoot. And his take on it was, well, well, what did Bigfoot look like? And the guy says, he had beautiful hair. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought, what? Bigfoot has beautiful hair to this guy. So, hey, it is what it is for you. And if it helps you maybe maybe cope, if it helps you cope, maybe that's a good thing. Aaron, I love the idea of In Search of Monsters. And as I said, I've always enjoyed the Travel Channel. And you need to look up Mitch Ryder and listen to his music because you'd be proud of your name. He's one of the great singers of all time. Great, great pop singer. I can't wait. No doubt about it. I can't wait. Thank Aaron, you for turning me on okay. to that. You need to come back and talk more about this because there are many, many different things to touch on. Uh, and I, I love the fact that you're looking at people's fears because, uh, man, we, we are so angry and fearful right now. It is un- maybe the... Uh, well, I shouldn't say of all time, because the late 60s was a horrible period where people were actually killing people and burning cities down. They were so afraid. And now here we are 50 years later, and God, I hope it doesn't happen again. But, my, man, there's a lot of fear and anger out there right now. So hopefully maybe you can ease some of those fears and ease some of that anger by watching In Search of Monsters. Aaron Ryder, thank you. Come back soon, please. Well, I'd love that very much. Thanks for having me on. A pleasure. We'll be back with the family. It's Tom Bernard with North American Banking Company CEO and my buddy, Michael Bilski. Michael, let's say somebody has a plan to expand their business this year. How can North American Banking Company get that job done? At North American Banking Company, we'll take time to understand the customer's needs and wants and their plans for the future. Once we have a good understanding of that, we'll try to solve 
their financing dilemma, we won't take a cookie-cutter approach to any financing situation. Wonderful. So if I need cash to expand my podcast, you got a plan for me, too? No. (laughs) (laughs) God, thank you. I see where this is going. Well, we love working with you. We can help any business, including a podcast that's already very successful. Who's better than you? That's what I want to know. You I still are. never liked you, though. You are. No, I never. Don't try to make up. I don't like <laughs> Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and an equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. Spring is here, and there's no better time to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they want to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK spring savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them I sent you and save 500 bucks on your LASIK. Offer expires June 21st, 2019. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offers. That's actually not Led Zeppelin. It's Doug Sprinthal playing his guitar. That's right. I am good. You you heard me. I want to go around the room, and we can start with you, Doug. Uh, as a young kid, did did your and your extended family, I'm talking about, you know, your grandparents on both sides and whatever, did you have, did you did your family have any belief in any, any monster-type figures, whether it was the devil or whatever? No, really not. Um... I guess I can't expand on. I do have to let you know we have an, uh, our guest for Car Selling Secrets showed up a little early. Kevin Don's in the studio, so if he chimes well, in, well, he's a monster. You'll know he's a monster. Who the heck is that guy? No, we grew up in. Well, you know, good. the whole devil Christianity thing is kind of it's it's old school. I think. Yeah, people, um, yeah, the modern Christians don't really do that as nearly as much as they used to. Yeah, yeah like everything's about fear of the devil. Mm-hmm. I guess the closest thing would be the New York Yankees. Uh, personally, I think Twitter is the devil. But yeah, yeah, Twitter is the devil. That's true. God, You're absolutely right. <laughs> Andy and Alex, we didn't really have any monsters or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, we went to Catholic you, school, so... Dave Ryan. Well, I know, but yeah, he kind of blew Don't that up. I remember you had, a, you had a couple of friends that were, that were positive that their houses were haunted, haunted and that kind yeah. of thing. Because uh, they were. Chloe's house, for sure haunted. Hmm. Really? Yeah. Well, there you go. Super haunted. How was Chloe? You talked you talk to Chloe? Haunted. Super haunted. I yeah, like I talked Chloe. to Chloe all Very yeah. late. Yep, I went and Very laid back. the kids and I got coffee with her last week. Oh, good. Say hello for us. I you will. Would. I will. Now, when I was a kid, let's understand something. When I was a kid, my mother was a big-time Roman Catholic, so there was always this talk about the devil and all this stuff, and I do remember I, I was, I think, 11 years old, and I was I woke up in the middle of the night, and I was thinking about this, and, you know... Uh, what? Well, wait a minute. What, what age are you when you go to 
First Holy Communion is that? I think that's nine, nine, nine or yeah, ten. Nine, yeah. And then when you yeah. were a kid, confirmation classes are earlier than they are now. I think when yeah, we were growing they up, were. they were probably like twelve, and now yeah. I think it's fourteen or fifteen. Oh, really? Yep. Mm. So Apparently, yeah, twelve-year-olds aren't re- ready to make commit a themselves to commitment. God. Yeah, <laughs> they're that's not. Fair. But yeah, I wake up in the middle and I understand that we had just gone through a few years of just psychosis at my house and it was just not good and my dad was hauled off and this happened and that happened. And there was a lot of bad stuff going on and I remember waking up, so I must have been 10 years old. I woke up in the middle of the night, 2 o'clock, and I was just afraid of some, I don't know why I was so scared, but I was really scared, right? Mm-hmm. And I do remember lying in bed and honestly i did say this to out loud in my bedroom i said okay if there is a devil appear to me right now so i know what i'm dealing with <gasps> you conjured the I, devil. I tried to conjure the devil Dad. and nothing happened so i find it boring ever since oh my god you know what i mean your conjuring didn't you know I mean? work so now you no my, con- my conjuring <laughs> didn't work but i just thought maybe hey, your guardian angel fought him off yeah mm-hmm. Dad, i just that? felt if there's go- if there is a devil, let's go tough guy, and we'll see. We'll just get this over with, and you can kill me or drag me to hell or whatever you're gonna do. Let's just get it over with because I'm not gonna feel well, like this the rest of my life. Your monster in the room was your father's mental illness. Well, that's true. Yeah. Yes, but which was pretty devilish. Yeah. I will sell that. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's just that. But I do remember that. I, I if there is one, let's see it right now, and let's just get this over with, and nothing happened. And I went, God, you're so boring, devil. You're an amazingly boring devil. Uh, I remember that. shortly after I saw The Exorcist, and I was like 16. <laughs> oh my God. I know. And I was raised Catholic, and I had never seen anything like that. I had never no. seen any sort. I didn't watch horror movies or anything like that. And I went to this because my friend wanted to go, well, so you I were went. Twelve? No, I wasn't twelve. Oh yes, I had you to were. Be older. Nah, I think it, Exorcist came out in 1971 or two, didn't it? It came out in 73. 73. 73. So you were 13. I graduated from high school in 77. So, yeah. So, yes, you're no, you were 13, maybe Oh, my 14. God. So, I was 13. <laughs> so you were 13. No wonder you're scared. How did you get no into the movie, Mom? Yeah, you weren't supposed I'm, to get in a movie sneaker. I'm tall, Mom. and I know how to do things. They only had G and so, X back then, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. So, so I that's go to right. this movie, and, and uh, like a month later, I'm sitting on this bus stop. And um, this guy was sitting next to me, and he was, he's from Africa. And we started talking. He's like, have you seen any good movies lately? And I said, <laughs> I said, well, I saw The Exorcist, and it scared the hell out of me. And he said, why? And I said, oh, my God, those exorcisms are terrifying. He says, we do that all the time in my country. I'm like, what? <laughs> no! No! <laughs> 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 he rotated around on his shoulders. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That really freaked me out. That's exactly right. I did tell a story. By coincidence, I just told this story yesterday, I think it was. When Catherine went to see, she told me this, she went to see The Exorcist. She's 13 years old. She's frightened as hell. I was. And she goes to bed, and the entire night a cat outside was going, <laughs> Oh, screaming its brains out. I was so paralyzed with fear, I couldn't even get out of bed to go find my mom and dad. This cat and, of course, I couldn't tell night. my mom and dad that I saw The Exorcist because no. you were 13. I supposed to go. <laughs> See? Serves no, your right. absolutely true. Mom. It does. It does. I had no idea that movies could be that. And now we watched it. We watched it not yeah. too long yeah, ago. Yeah, we watched right. it. And it was like summer or something. 
Yeah, it wasn't nearly as scary. No. Yeah, it seems kind of cheesy all. now. Although that seemed really cheesy. That spider walk down the stairs. Oh, yeah, that, that, was that was creepy. Yeah, that's I really creepy. Yeah, I just I don't remember, I, and I didn't remember how profane it was. It was <laughs> so super bad. profane. <laughs> oh my, oh my god. god! I was like, what? Yeah. Well, that was probably part of the fear because you had never heard anybody, no. especially a little girl, yeah. talk no. like that. Real weird. Hearing a little girl talk like that was pretty scary. But yeah. I, I do, honest God, I always love to tell a story. I'm in the front row of the, the balcony at the Gopher. My friend on my left and my friend on my right was the dog. And the friend on my left got up and left because he was so afraid that he, he just wanted to get out of there. And you have to remember, when I saw it, I was like 20, 20 years old, right? So I'm just sitting there with the dog. And all of a sudden, she looks up at Father Marin, I think his name was. Mm-hmm. And she looks up and goes, lick me. <laughs> and the dog started laughing so hard, he almost fell out of the, out of the balcony. He was laughing his ass off because a little girl would say that. He's like, what? I do remember that. It was so unusual to see a little girl talking like that. I know. Especially to a priest. I felt like I needed well, to go to confession to... after watching yeah. it. I'm like, yeah. I, know. I know. I, I feel like dirty. a sinner. Yeah, I know. I was involved in some very questionable behavior. Nowadays, that's like I've... the default type of humor is just saying the worst things you can because yeah, it's easy. That's true. Yeah, yeah, I suppose that is. Very, I'm guessing very that Catholicism memberships went up after that movie. <laughs> yeah. Did, yeah. Like... Probably. We did. Oh, you did see that some guy uh, tried to burn down St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York, didn't you? Uh, no. Yes. Oh, really? Well, he was caught outside. He didn't even get oh, I inside. He, I he, he was didn't even inside. get inside. He but had he, a couple of cans of gasoline and some other stuff to lighters. start a fire, but he yeah. did not even get inside. Did you see the what uh, is it? the Notre copycat crazies? Yep. Did you did you yeah. see the uh, Onion article about the Notre Dame fire? Mm-hmm. It says no. the cause was traced to twelfth twelfth century wiring. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, Turns out wood doesn't right. uh, transfer electricity very well. Yeah. Nah, it really doesn't. Uh, you know, it's going to cause a problem. Well, it's interesting because the church in New York, they said that all of the beams have been um, uh, treated with fire retardant. There's hmm. also a sprinkler system in the building. Why wasn't that put in Notre Dame? Yeah, yeah no, I, no. Mean, Cathedral. I mean, yeah. come on. Um. Why do you think it is so important now? Because you got some guy burning black churches in the South. You got <sighs> people, you know, they they still don't know what caused the Notre Dame fire. And uh, you know, some people still want to believe they, that somebody said they it. They think it's electrical, is they what I read last. Yeah. But... Some guy wants to burn down St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York. Why is it so important to people to burn down monuments? Because the beauty of these churches is very apparent. They're not hideous. Well, they're beautiful they're churches. Not, they don't care about the... They don't care about the church. They care about the statement against yeah, the but, people that belong to the church. But the thing about that is, is they really are they really bothering you? Are they, they ruining your life to the point where you want to burn down their cathedral? Dad, fighting hate with hate is the best way to go about it every time. Exactly. <laughs> I suppose that's true, yes. Being we need to remember is the best that. way to get people on your side. It solves it just all make any problems. Sense. Fire. It Next question. It doesn't make any sense to me that, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to... You know that story. What was that kid's name? Matthew. I can't remember the, the one, the, the 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 gay kid that they tied to a fence and, oh, and killed him. Montana oh, or wherever West? it was. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh, God, we had the an author on that book. Matthew um, Shepard. Yes, I think, I think it was Matthew. Yeah, Matthew Shepard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, he, so you torture this kid and then kill him because he's gay. What in I, the hell is that? Like I said, it's it's just it's all based on some sort of fear and insecurity in yeah. yourself that you have to say if everybody isn't like me, they yeah. should be dead. I mean, that's a crazy leap, but. It is unbelievable. But once again, we're just talking about monsters. So this guy in New York City, his monster was St. Patrick's Cathedral, and he was going to burn it down because he was so terrified of it. Because you wouldn't do something like that if you just didn't like it. You go, well, I'll just avoid it. I don't like it. It has to have a huge impact on you and frighten you. Otherwise, you wouldn't want to destroy it. Don't you believe that's true? I don't know. It, it's hard to really understand yeah. people that have twisted logic streams yeah, for doing outrageous things. I don't know that they neatly fall into place. It, 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 I don't yeah, know. maybe not. Yeah, maybe is not, it internal maybe anger not. that you just want to express and you can't figure out how to do it? I guess that's one possibility, but it, I don't know. Yep. I don't. I've never understood that whole situation at all. Anyway, it's your gender, it's your orientation, it's your skin color. It's oh my god, I gotta destroy. Why do you care that much? Well, well at least I he wasn't successful. People... You know, I'm not Catholic, but yeah. I gotta hand it to the Catholics. They make some beautiful churches. Yeah, <laughs> it's one thing yeah. that they do really, really well. Absolutely. Well, and that's what I told Catherine. I said, can you imagine if we were sitting in Minneapolis or St. Paul watching the cathedral or the basilica burn to the yeah. ground? That would be horrible. Yeah. I mean, I went to the basilica for about three months before we moved out of town when I was in first grade. I went to basilica school there. It's not even, I don't think the school's even there anymore. The building is, know. but I don't think it's, maybe it still is a school. I don't know. But. I, the first thing I would think of if they if somebody or or you know if the electrical problem caused the basilica to burn I would remember and Catherine and I I know exactly the pew by the pillar where I sat on my grandma's lap for Sunday mass when wow. I was like four years old That's I remember a big church. remember Catherine oh it's huge but yeah. I remember exactly where we sat we always sat there it is a beautiful church and it would have had this huge impact on me because it would have taken part of what my grandmother was away from me I would have hated that so I gotta believe that all these people watching Notre Dame burn they, it must have been oh. incredibly emotional horrible that's sad it's very sad it is indeed. But, hey, listen, St. Mark's is not exactly a hideous church either, Mr. No, I know, I know. We've got some nice ones. It's a gorgeous church. There's a beautiful one on top of the hill in San Francisco. I think it's Grace Cathedral. It's an Episcopal cathedral, and that's really spectacular, too. So, But we ripped off the Catholics. Oh, here. Well, you didn't. Well, admit he admits it. With everything yeah. else. You know. <laughs> I mean, Along the, with everything. The Anglican Church was based on two things. Henry VIII wanted to get a divorce, and he didn't understand yeah. that he was the reason he couldn't have male kids. And he hated the Pope. Yeah, Other than that, yeah. they just took Catholicism and said, okay, cross out the whole Pope thing and add divorce yeah. and yeah. then copy everything else. Well, but, they made some of their own hymns up, too. Yeah, that's yeah, they true. Did. Although the Catholics, uh, let's go and wipe out the Moors and wipe out all the uh, all the uh, Arabs. And as long as we're here, why don't we kill the Jews too? I was like, what? 
<laughs> Happy days are yeah, here I mean, again. People are so bizarre along those lines. I, I just crazy. But the sorrow and the sadness. I mean, my, you know, Michael Fitzgibbon's wedding was at the St. Paul Cathedral. That would be you know, that would be devastating for the Fitzgibbons yeah. family to see that building burn. You Absolutely. know, it's just Jesus. It's a, it's very very sad. They said it might take up to 15 years to rebuild Notre Dame. Oh, I thought Macron said five uh, years. He said five years, but the, everybody who knows what the hell they're talking about said no. Nah, it's going to completely redo the thing. Well, now the new thing is they're going to build a structure inside the structure. Yeah. So people can go in it. Yep. Which, I don't know what, what don't that's going to look like. So I don't know. We'll keep an eye on the whole thing. And hopefully no other m- massive, wonderful cathedrals will burn anytime soon. That'd be good. Or any churches or mosques. Or, yeah, black or churches anything. in the south. Here, I'm going to burn your church down. Why? Because you're black. What? How do you get to that thought, by the way? How do you get to that decision? I'm going to burn your church down because you're black. I'm pretty. Mu- I'm pretty sure Southern Comfort's involved at some point in the thought process. <laughs> yeah, I would guess you're right. You're absolutely right. We will take a break. Come right back. We have another special guest coming up next with the family. What are the things you want to avoid when it comes time to sell your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl. If you're like most people, it's things like open houses, staging, decluttering, repairs, maintenance, and all the people coming through your house. Hey, Tom, the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate was created for people like you so that you can avoid the things that you don't like doing when it comes time to sell your home. We have been presenting offers for homes in most price ranges. Homeowners are loving our guaranteed offer program, especially how much money they are making on their home sale without the inconveniences. So this program is for all price ranges and conditions, including perfectly maintained homes? Most homes do qualify. To see if your home qualifies, go to chrislindahl.com and click Get Offer right now. Will you be the next homeowner to accept an offer from our guaranteed offer program? Find out now. If you qualify, you will get an offer in 48 hours or less, and the best part is you get to pick a closing date that is convenient for you and close in as little as three weeks. Go to chrislindahl.com right now to see if you qualify or call 763-401-SOLD. That is 763-401-SOLD. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. Love this song. Love it. No question about it. I'd like to do a song called Obla Di Obla Da. (laughs) Okay. Perfect. Okay, we'll. We'll record that. Like, here's no the, here's the amazing thing hands. about the whole creative process. So you think of all those great songs. Paul McCartney wrote so many great songs. He can't play them yeah. all in a concert. No. You go, oh, yeah, right. I'm glad right. you did this. You didn't do this. He hasn't been able to write crap for the last 20 years. Every time he puts out a record, it's like, oh, my God, this is, and you're Paul McCartney. How does that happen? I know. Yeah. I don't know. I think well, you use up everything. Yeah. I, well, and yeah, it's maybe. just something you know, about, you know, the people you're around and just the process something in the way okay ladies and gentlemen drug warrior inside the hunt for el chapo and the rise of america's opioid crisis 
Uh, I will tell you, honest to God. Jack Riley with us, DEA agent Jack Riley. Jack, we were by coincidence just talking to Aaron Ryder from the Travel Channel about people having to create monsters. Is there a bigger monster now than the opioid crisis? You know, I don't, I don't, I certainly don't think so. In my 30 years of doing it, I don't think this country's ever faced anything like this. Yeah, I'd have to agree. This is, this is, this is not heroin. It's it's much worse than than that. What what is it? What's the um, there's fentanyl and then there's one that's a, like a thousand times more powerful than fentanyl. It's called. It starts with a C. Carfentanil. Can't remember the name. Carfentanil. Carf- is Carf- that, is that, yeah. Yeah. So what, first of all, I I have a real hard time understanding why anyone would get involved in the first place. A very dear friend of mine just lost his daughter. Uh, to the opioid crisis, a very young woman, and and you just you go, why? How did that happen? You know, I, I suppose you want to be, you know, in with the with the great kids and all that. And if the great kids, well, she was sixteen, and it was a boyfriend suggestion. Yeah, it was a boyfriend suggestion. Yeah. So, yeah, right. yeah. so I yeah. don't know, uh, Jack. It, it it hit really hits home for for our family because of that. And I've known several people over the years that have, have died from. Uh, everything from heroin overdoses, which turned out to be actual fentanyl overdoses. Uh, right. Yeah, I just it's just unbelievable. DEA agent Jack Riley, Chicago's most famous federal agent since the days of the Untouchables. That's a that's that's high praise for you, right there, Agent uh, Riley. You're like uh, yeah. Elliot Ness yeah, I, Part I, I, Two. I'm not. Yeah, I. I... I, I think he he overstretched his uh, his opinion of me, but it was very nice. <laughs> it was very nice. You're absolutely right. So you uh, you you've been uh, the several generations of cops in your family. Is that right? Yeah my uh, my grandfather started as a Chicago policeman. He uh, he retired as a commander, and then uh, kind of skipped the next generation. My father became a physician, and then. Uh, Hearing the old stories of Grandpa really drew me back into the game, and uh, I I just loved every minute of it. Yeah, I could understand that completely. Were you uh, were you based in Chicago as a DEA agent? I uh, at, yeah, I started there as an agent in the mid '80s, and then I actually returned there uh, as the agent in charge of the of the field division uh, about 2010 after I had. Then uh, we, we got transferred 12 times in my 30-year career, so we were all over the country. Oh, I see. Now, what creates somebody like Pablo Escobar or, or El Chapo? How does El Chapo even happen these days? You know, that's a great, great question because uh, we see this throughout Central and South America. Uh, the whole narcotic and smuggling I think profession has been there for many, many years, and clearly their ability uh, to rise from nothing. Uh, Chapo came from an area called La Tuna, which is a uh, larger than agricultural area, very poor, and um, he was uh, mentored by some early traffickers who then turned to be narcotic traffickers, and I think that's important. Um, So he learned the game early. Um, He also was really attuned uh, to the logistical part uh, of the business. I think that's what put him aside. He was able to, uh, obviously, he's the father of the tunnels underneath the borders for the most part. Right. And his ability right. to move goods from Mexico to the U.S., I think, is unmatched. 
Yeah, I mean, he just is he that smart, or did he just figure out one thing and was good in that area? You know, I chased the guy for almost 20 years, and I'll tell you, he is a mass murderer. There's no no question about that, but he was also right. one, one hell of a corporate CEO if you look at the way he ran his organization. He was on top for almost 20 years, and I think uh, he understood the use of violence, uh, that it had to be there, but you didn't want to overuse it because it'd be bad for business. And then he virtually corrupted every corner of the Mexican government. So he, uh, when it was going, it was going for him right. God, it is just unbelievable. My, my lovely wife, Catherine, who's on the show with us, she and I watch Cocaine Cowboys. Yeah. My God, Florida... I'm surprised that state even exists anymore with all the well, drugs showing up. Every single day, almost, almost yeah. every single day, there is a gigantic um, stash of drugs still coming into the country through Florida. Yeah, that's what almost I every day. Yeah, that's what I understand. And they, they're finding it, yeah. but how many don't yeah. they find? Yeah, unfortunately, quite a bit gets through. I mean, yeah. You got to look at these. Uh, these cartels are extremely sophisticated, and they've got unlimited resources, and, and they don't play by the rules. So, anything goes for them. That is so amazing. Do they? Do any of them ever use their own product, or are they too smart to do that? You know, many. Uh, strangely enough, many of them do, and that's their downfall. Now, Chapo didn't yeah. uh, drink or smoke or do anything. He. Uh, he just liked women, and Manny, he had a bunch of them. Yeah, he certainly did. And his current wife, I guess it is, or his current girlfriend or whatever she is, he didn't do any of those things. I don't know what you guys are talking about. He's a great guy. So the women were there supporting him. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm so glad that we were able to extradite him and he faced trial here because I think it gave the American people a glimpse into just how these people operate and how vicious uh, and really deadly they really are. Oh, yeah. I mean, even the, even the dealers on the street, and people probably don't realize this, but, you know, I grew up in, in, in the inner city, and you would see people dealing drugs all the time. These are just local drug dealers. They're not anybody important or anybody special or whatever, but they have a side to them that it's like, my God, you're, you're terrifying because you're so crazy. I mean, these guys are nuts. Yeah. I don't think people really understand that. You yeah. don't want to be going in the city going, hey, you know where I can find some heroin? Yeah, don't do that because it means you have cash on you. Yeah. I wouldn't be telling people that. One of my favorite yeah, stories of all amazing. time. You know, that's part of... Go ahead, sir. That's one of the things that Chapel really, really uh, set himself apart is he kind of, he kind of built a, a toxic relationship, specifically in the Midwest, with the gang members, street gang members. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, mm-hmm. they had no idea who they were working for. Um, but, you know, their main job and the way that most of them make their living is putting dope on the street. And Chapo was, was there uh, 24-7 to make sure they got what they needed and, and got the money back to them. So, you know, there's so many levels of this. Uh, that's why it's important we cut the head off the snake. And I think this time we did. You know, yeah, you absolutely did. You guys did a great job with that whole situation. My uh, my favorite uh, story about, well, in a way it's about this. But uh, in your hometown, as a matter of fact, and by the way, I think Chicago is the greatest big city in the world. I love Chicago. 
watching its politics is a little odd, but you know that's a whole different deal. But I had a young, I had a friend that. Oh, God, it's unbelievable. I had a friend that grew up in Skokie, and he tells the story all the time about when he was a teenager, you know, 16, 17 years old. He, he, it was the 4th of July coming up, and he wanted to have fireworks out in Skokie, but there's nowhere to get fireworks in Skokie. So he goes into the south side of Chicago and walks up to these guys standing on the corner, and he's got a buddy with him. And he says to the guys, you know where I can buy some fireworks? And they went, What? He said, yeah, I want to buy some fireworks. And one of the guy goes, you got money on you? <laughs> <laughs> like, whoops. It didn't work out. He didn't have the money on him long, and he didn't get any fireworks. So it just kind of worked out that way. It's just the way things are. Yeah. Um, what is driving the, this opioid crisis? Now, why are so many people duped into doing this drug in the first place what the, and, and again if you're 16 that's one thing but if you're in your 20s 30s whatever and you're you're all of a sudden deciding well i i want to get into this opioid thing how do so many people get hooked into this whole thing or, or get drawn to it in the first place well you know, m- many of these people start uh, with legitimate prescribed drugs you know if, oh, if, if okay. you look at a, a high school kid high school kid goes and gets, a, you know, the wisdom teeth pulled, and the doctor gives them 50 Oxycontin, you know, uh, to recuperate with. It's crazy. So many of them find themselves in the grips of addiction that way, and then it becomes too difficult uh, to get the prescription drugs. The doctor won't write. The pharmacy won't fill. They're too expensive. He can't steal them. Uh, they can't steal them from his, their grandmother's medicine uh, cabinet. Mm-hmm. So they begin the next thing, that dark road down to potent. Uh, low-cost heroin, and I think that's one of the major reasons we've seen our user user groups really expand to, you know, high school, college, young professionals. Uh, it, it's in virtually every corner of this country now, in every neighborhood, every city, large and small. So yeah, I think for the first time in the last six to eight months, people in this country have really realized uh, we're going to have to really change some things we're doing. Uh, to really affect this. And, and, you know, this is definitely a marathon, not a sprint. There's no easy answers here. I know you're absolutely right. Go ahead, Doug. I had a quick question, and, and this is I'm, I don't ask it to start a political scuffle, but you're, you, you have more information about drug smuggling than anybody that I read on, on the Internet. What effect would the Trump, I'll call it the Trump border wall, have on stemming drugs into the U.S.? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I think it will have an effect on illegal alien migration. But what we know from investigations is that the majority of the high-volume drugs come across our checkpoint. Um, And they come in very sophisticated cars, trucks, buses. Uh, So what I think we need to do in in conjunction with the wall, if we really want to make a net in narcotics, is to really increase our technology and manpower at those uh, checkpoints. Um, it, it, it was like about, I think it was about a month and a half ago, where through one of those checkpoints, we had the largest fentanyl seizure in history. And we would not have been able to find that without x-ray equipment because it was built into a compartment in a truck. So those things we really need to do, too. Um, and I'm just concerned that people, you know, I was, on the, I was on the border for a while, and there's an old saying on the border, you build a 10-foot wall, I'm going to get an 11-foot ladder. And some of that, uh, some of that rhetoric is actually true. Okay, fair enough. No, Thank I, you. Yeah, it, no, I think it's a, that was a good question, Doug, because I, I, first of all, 
what escapes me, Mr. Riley, or Agent Riley, I better call you, um, I am, I, as I said, I grew up in the inner city, but I never understood that, hey, let me walk up to a stranger and say, do you have any drugs that I could buy from you? Like, I'm looking for some cocaine, and I'll just trust the fact that we're, you're going to sell me this white powder is cocaine, and I'll snort it up my nose. I've never understood the wisdom of that, ever. Yeah, yeah it, it's scary when you look at the, now fentanyl in particular, it's, you know, it's manufactured clandestinely in China and also in Mexico by the cartels. And I think people yeah. that take it think these guys are in sterile white jackets in a laboratory putting together, <laughs> you know, a prescribed drug. Premium products. Like Indian you know, Viagra. Walk- yeah. Right, right. These guys are walking in vats of acid. Or, you know, it's, so it's certainly, it does make you wonder, but it also shows you just how strong addiction can be. No, no question about that. We're talking to Jack Riley, drug warrior inside the hunt for El Chapo and the rise of America's opioid crisis. Uh, the book's available on Amazon. It's a fascinating subject because obviously addiction is so horrendous that people, once you're addicted, it's very hard to break away from that, uh, the way your brain works and the way your body feels and all the rest of it. It's a, it's a tough road to hoe from... You know, talking to doctors about this, once you're addicted, it is really painful to become unaddicted, isn't it? It, it absolutely is. And in many cases, we've got people that really want it. They want help, but they either can't afford mm-hmm. it or there's treatment that's not available. So I think that's one of the other things we need to do. We need to educate better. We need to make affordable treatment available to people that want it. Uh, you know, I'm not talking about mm-hmm. repeat offenders or bad guys. Let the prison system handle that. But people that never before in our society, you know, find themselves in this terrible addiction. You know, 130 people die a day in this country from drug addiction, and much of that is opioid-related. When I hear those numbers, and they they get worse by the month, uh, probably by the time we're done with this interview, four or five people had died. I mean, just the thought of that uh, could send a shockwave through everybody. No, no question. Ladies and gentlemen, DEA agent Jack Riley. The book is called Drug Warrior Inside the Hunt for El Chapo and the Rise of America's Opioid Crisis. Thank you so much for the education and thank you uh, for your time. It was a great conversation. Thank you. Oh, thank you, guys. You guys have a great day. You too. We'll be back with the family.